0: Section Ten of Reincarnation: A Study in Human Evolution by Theophile Pascal. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reincarnation and the Religious and Philosophic Consensus of the Ages, Part Five. Objection: Reincarnation and Forgetfulness of the Past sceptics are ever bringing forward against reincarnation the absence of all memory of past lives convinced that there can be no answer to this argument they do not reflect that human ignorance is a bottomless abyss whilst the possibilities of life are endless the schools of the future will smile at the claims made by those of the present just as the latter doubtless regard with pitying indulgence that school which only a few years ago in the person of one of its most famous members dr mercilessly condemned the exponent of edison's invention because the savant listening to a phonograph for the first time could not believe that it was anything else than ventriloquism instances of this kind are sufficiently numerous and recent not to be forgotten in spite of the shortness of human memory in the present instance there are many men of science who have not yet been made sufficiently wise by experience to see that the very mystery of memory itself might furnish an explanation of that general absence of all power of recollection which now seems to them altogether incompatible with the doctrine of rebirth so as not to appear to be running away from this objection by dealing with it only on the surface we will endeavour to develop the question somewhat for we shall have to set forth to readers unacquainted with theosophical teachings which alone up to the present have thrown light on these difficult subjects certain doctrines which will be well understood by none but theosophists since they are incapable of proof by a single statement thereof but form a part of a long chain of teachings we will offer them simply as theories though they are facts to us, theories that contain many an error, it may be, and are imperfectly stated, though capable of widening the horizon of thought and shedding a brilliant light upon many an obscure question. Earnest seekers after truth, it is hoped, will not be disheartened by the difficulties of the subject, but will endeavor to grasp the meaning of the following pages by reading them over again if need be first a few words must be said on memory in general next we will give a rapid sketch of what constitutes memory in atoms and molecules in the varied forms of the many kingdoms of nature and in human forms finally we will speak of cosmic memory that veritable judgment book which takes account of all the vibrations of the universe amongst beings capable of memory a distinction must be made between those who have not reached the stage of self-consciousness and those which have done so, for memory, properly so called, takes for granted an eye. That which has not an eye can only have a memory of which it is not conscious. The atom, for instance, of whose memory we shall speak later on, THAT WHICH HAS ONLY A RUDIMENTARY EYE PROCESS, ONLY A RUDIMENTARY MEMORY FROM THE POINT OF VIEW OF ITS BEARING ON THE INDIVIDUAL. SUCH IS THAT POSSESSED BY THE SOULS OF THE LOWER KINGDOMS, THAT WHICH CONSTITUTES INSTINCT. TO THE PERFECT EYE ALONE BELONGS AN INDIVIDUAL MEMORY, THE HUMAN MEMORY, AND THAT OF BEINGS WHO HAVE ATTAINED TO THE SUPERHUMAN STAGE this memory may be defined as the faculty possessed by an individualised centre of consciousness voluntarily to reproduce the vibrations it has received or generated a centre of consciousness is a form that serves for the time being as the instrument of an individualised ray of that indefinable principle called the soul but for the presence of this individual soul in a form this latter would remain inactive as a centre of consciousness, although active in its constituent parts. And could it not, then, consciously, either generate or receive vibrations on the plane from which the soul is momentarily absent? It could only transmit them, for instance, when a man is in a brown study. He is not conscious in his brain of what has taken place on the physical plane the vehicles of consciousness are often numerous in a being and the more numerous in proportion to the degree this latter has attained in the scale of evolution the present-day man possesses four bodies the visible the astral the mental and the causal they are not all equally developed and therefore not equally conscious for the clearness and intensity of consciousness depend on the degree of perfection of its vehicles just as the beauty of electric light depends on the perfection of the apparatus producing it. The ego, the man, is the consciousness that is called forth by the soul in the causal body. This consciousness varies in power with the development of the body that gives birth to it. At first it is dim and uncertain, and acquires some degree of intensity only when it receives, through the mental and astral vehicles, THE SIMPLE AND INTENSE VIBRATIONS OF THE PHYSICAL BODY. IN SAVAGE RACES, FOR INSTANCE, MAN POSSESSES A DEFINITE CONSCIOUSNESS ONLY IN HIS WAKING CONDITION. AS SOON AS THE SOUL IS ATTACHED TO THE ASTRAL BODY, EXTERNALIZED BY SLEEP, IT EXPERIENCES ONLY A dim CONSCIOUSNESS IN THIS UNDEVELOPED VEHICLE. IN ADVANCED RACES, THE ASTRAL BODY, BEING MORE DEVELOPED, brings about distinct consciousness during sleep as man evolves consciousness begins to function in the mental and the astral bodies without the assistance of the vibrations of the lower vehicles and when all the grades of matter which compose the human constitution are thus vitalized man has become perfect he knows the universe because he feels it within himself he echoes it so to speak and possesses all its powers in ordinary man the memory of events that have taken place in his waking state can be brought back by that special effort of will which sets in motion the cerebral molecules that have previously been put into vibration by these events sometimes the will of itself is powerless to recall this vibration either because the brain is tired or in some unfavourable condition or other it is then aided by bringing its automatism into play by endeavoring, for instance, to call back one constituent element of the fact desired, a place, a sound, a scent, person, etc. And often in this way is brought about the vibration of the molecules that constituted the rest of the circuit, and the fact sought for presents itself. Association of ideas is a phenomenon based on this mechanical process. A third method a far more difficult one is also used the bringing of every mental effort to a standstill the suppression of thought when sufficiently complete brings the brain into a state of calm allows of the soul concentrating on the astral body whose memory is keen and only slightly subject to obstruction and then it often happens that the vibration of the astral memory repercusses onto the physical apparatus which suddenly remembers the thing desired on the death of the physical the soul acts in the astral body there it retains a complete memory of life on earth but the vibrations of the physical plane no longer reach it these memories soon cease to occupy its attention And it gives itself up wholly to the impressions received from the new world into which it has entered in this first stage of the afterlife then there is a kind of darkening of the memory of the past earth life darkening not oblivion when the purgatorial life is at an end and the astral body disintegrates in its turn the soul functions in the mental body in the mental world on this new plane the memory of the worlds left behind continues though far less clearly than the memory of the physical existed in the astral world this is owing to the fact that in ordinary man the mental body is not sufficiently developed to constitute a complete vehicle of consciousness capable of registering all the vibrations that come to it everything in the past that has been purely the work of the astral or the physical plane then disappears from his memory there remain only memories that have been caused either by the mental qualities or qualities superior to these, all the highest elements concerned with affection, intelligence, or art. The mental world, generally speaking, is seen only to a small extent or not at all, because of the incomplete development of the mental body. Besides, recollections assume a new character. Every thought takes a concrete form that of a friend for instance appears as the friend himself speaking and thinking more vivid than on the earth plane everything is dramatized in marvelous fashion and life is intense throughout the realms of paradise the mental body after exhausting the forces that make it up also dies and the soul is centered in only the vehicle it has left the causal body a body that is immortal one may say up to a certain point since the soul retains it until the time comes when it can function in a still higher and more lasting vehicle and this happens only after millions of years here another diminution of memory takes place because the soul loses a large portion of its consciousness when it comes into contact with none but the vibrations of this body which is even more incompletely developed than the former ones, though holding within itself all the germs of these latter. The ego, then, remains apparently sunk in sleep for a varying period, though never for very long. Then the germs in the causal body become active, build up new series of bodies in succession, the mental, the astral, and finally the physical, and the soul returns once more to incarnation it will now be understood how it comes about that a soul of average development on entering a new cycle with the memory of the last cycle considerably obliterated by the loss of the physical astral and mental bodies sheathed in new bodies on these planes bodies that have nothing in common with the life of the past is unable to impress its dim memories onto the brain but it will also be seen that with the progress of evolution the soul acquires ever-clearer consciousness in the causal body, in which it finally preserves the memory of the various life-cycles. Since, at this stage, it has become capable of projecting its vibrations, voluntarily, through the lower bodies, it is able to transmit this memory first to the mental body, then to the astral, and lastly to the physical body. When this is possible, man, in waking consciousness, remembers his former lives this transmission requires a purifactory process in the vehicles and a special training of the will the matter of all the bodies that of the brain in particular must be refined its constituent elements must be subtler and its atoms must be fully awakened to activity whereupon the cerebral cell becomes capable of responding to the thought of the ego i.e of vibrating in harmony with the higher matter the second condition of the brain's receptivity is that this organ can be brought into a state of complete rest so long as the waking consciousness is active the brain vibrates powerfully and if at this time the soul sends the brain its thought this latter can no more make an impression on the existing cerebral activity than a faint note could be heard amid the clash of an orchestra consequently man by the training of his will must have acquired the power to stop the thinking activity in the waking state and to centre his attention on the causal body the only vehicle in which he can know the facts of his past incarnations this done he is able at will to project on to his brain the scenes of his former lives and to imprint them thereon with greater distinctness in proportion to his development and training in order to avoid continued explanations we will deal with another side of the question however incomprehensible it may be to such as have not studied theosophy a vehicle of consciousness is both a registering apparatus and a conductor of vibrations the kinds of matter of which forms are made up are perfectly graduated the first atom of the physical body is built up of the densest atoms of the astral plane the finest atom of the astral body is made of the densest atoms of the mental plane and so on each atom is linked to the one that precedes and to the one that follows it in that immense chain which stretches from the densest to the subtlest plane of the cosmos every vibration follows this path passes in all directions the seven dimensions of space and terminates in the very centre of consciousness the logos god incarnate in the world it is then comprehensible even logical that god should be both conscious on his receptive side of everything that takes place in the world omniscient and should produce on his active side all the forces of the world omnipotent it is likewise admissible that the human soul when fully developed should find in the causal body the memory of the facts that have echoed therein from the time when it could function consciously in it. But, it will be asked, how could it find in the causal body memories of existences it has not been able to register individually, of which it has not been conscious? Those, for instance, that form the early stages of its evolution at a time when it was conscious only in the lower vehicles. Memory possesses many storehouses. THE VIBRATIONS OF WHICH IT IS COMPOSED AFFECT THE WHOLE UNIVERSE. THERE IS NOT A SINGLE LOCAL SHOCK THAT IS NOT FELT THROUGHOUT ALL THE WORLDS. THE ETERNAL REGISTERING OF THINGS TAKES PLACE IN THE GREAT CENTER OF CONSCIOUSNESS, GOD, OR RATHER, IT EXISTS IN HIM, FOR TO HIM THERE IS NEITHER FUTURE NOR PAST, ONLY ONE ETERNAL PRESENT. EVOLUTION IS UNCEASINGLY ACCOMPLISHED. BUT IF WE LOOK UPON OURSELVES AS FINITE BEINGS, living in the illusion of time and space. We find that vibrating matter preserves for a longer or shorter period the movement imparted to it. The denser the substance, which forms the medium in which vibration takes place, the feebler the vibration. That is why it speedily ceases on the physical plane. It continues long, however, in the higher conditions of matter, and it is there we must look for it if we would recall certain events at which we have not been present. When anything exciting, a murder, a battle, for instance, has happened anywhere, the subtler atoms of the surrounding objects receive a powerful shock and continue to vibrate for centuries. Those who have developed their inner senses can thus witness the scene which is continually repeating itself, or rather, is happening all the time. Thus... Psychometrists, in presence of a portion of a fossil, are enabled to bring back scenes that this fragment has witnessed millions of years ago. In these cases, the memory of the facts is connected with that of the atoms which register it. This memory can only be recalled by coming into contact with these atoms. There is also another memory, midway between the unconscious memory of atoms and the conscious memory of the human soul that of the forms of various subhuman kingdoms it is only slightly conscious for it is not individualized all the same it is precise in its nature it dwells in the vital essence of the form an essence taken from a collective block which supplies a portion of its substance to the individuals of the same species this incarnate portion of essence when the form disintegrates at death returns to the parent block to which it communicates the result of its experiences and when the latter sends out a portion of itself into a new form this tentacle which is so to speak the soul of the form is in possession of the whole of the experiences of the block this explains how it is that the individual members of certain hostile species know one another from birth the chicken for instance which immediately it has left the egg trembles before the hawk hovering above in the air. Such is also the reason why a duckling plunges into water as soon as it comes to a pond, and the same instinct impels a bird to leave its nest and trust itself to the air when fully fledged. In these collective souls, belonging to the mineral, vegetable, and animal kingdoms, there can be recovered the past to which they bore witness, when the atom of their bodies have been dispersed and entered into new combinations when the elemental essence has definitely split up and the blocks have become separate individualized human fragments each of these fragments is a causal body a definite immortal centre in the total centre consequently there are in man three kinds of memory atomic memory that of the atoms of his bodies instinctive memory of the special elemental essences which are the collective souls of his various vehicles and finally the individual memory of the center which is one with the total center from which it comes this element of unity this human eye in the divine eye when sufficiently developed is able to evoke the memory of all the events in which it has participated in the causal body and also the memory of those it has witnessed as a collective soul elemental block in bygone ages when active in various mineral vegetable and animal species as a centre in the great centre it can also call forth the memory of everything in the universe that its consciousness can grasp and when in this long pilgrimage it has developed to the farthest limits of the universe it knows all that has been is now and is to be in this universe consequently it knows both what it has and what it has not participated in for everything in the universe has then become part of itself thus it is seen that the memory of the past is everywhere registered and that the difficulty a man has in bringing it back is caused by nothing more than his imperfect development once he has entered the straight gate and his consciousness is awake on the first plane of unity, he becomes able to read the great book of nature, in which all vibrations are kept in potentiality. He can revive them by an effort of will, similar to that he makes in a waking state, when he wishes to bring back past impressions to his brain. The difference lies in the fact that, in the latter case, being in the physical body, he calls up the memory retained in the astral body. Whilst in the former case, being in the causal body, he brings memory within the influence of the buddhic body, or even at times of higher bodies still. The more the being grows, and becomes able to fix his consciousness on the higher planes, the wider extends his sphere of influence, approaching that of divine consciousness it is ignorance that brings forward this objection regarding loss of memory ignorance of life and of death ignorance of the phenomena that follow the last breath of a dying man as well as of those preceding the first faint cry of a new-born child sceptics however might have shown a little more indulgence for as they are well aware ordinary memory is even now so unreliable that a man has great difficulty in recalling the whole of the thoughts that have entered his brain during the last few minutes he has forgotten the details of the various events of the week the facts of the past year have mostly vanished from his mind and when he comes to the end of the journey mere fragments of the story of his life are all that is left for all that he has all the time retained the notion of the identity of his eye. He has the same body, the same senses, and the same brain. His environment is the same. Everything is there to bring about association of ideas, to awaken memory. On the other hand, centuries have elapsed before rebirth takes place. The human being has undergone the most radical changes and modifications everything in him that was perishable has disappeared and is preserved only in a germinal state the visible bodily sheath has had its atoms scattered to the four elements the etheric body has become separated from the physical molecules whose vital support it formed the body of passions and desires astral body has lived for a few years in what catholics call purgatory greeks hades and hindus kamaloka after which only germs have been left behind then the intelligence mental body has been dispersed in turn and endures only in a germinal state almost everything that made up the man of bygone times has disappeared and is now concentrated in a complex germ hidden away in the causal body and destined to develop a new personality later on heir to the former one though it will not be capable of remembering events in which it took no part this is the explanation of the myth of lethe the soul in the causal body drinks of the river of life and from its sleep-giving draught forms the sheaths of the new incarnation the new bodies that altogether blot out the memory of the past it is in very truth a new-born babe who appears on earth the root being however survives the successive wrecks of fleeting personalities remaining in the new man as a guide as the voice of conscience he is the watcher who strings as on a thread the numberless pearls personalities which form the inevitable cycle of human evolution and is able when fully developed to summon up the distant panorama of past lives for him nothing is lost the pioneers of the race have obtained direct proof of successive incarnations but apart from these rare and special instances ordinary individuals frequently have reminiscences and distinct memories which are not investigated either because they are fragmentary in their nature or are related by children in india where the natives believe in reincarnation such cases are regarded without astonishment and efforts are made to prove their truth by serious investigation whenever possible. And such proof is often possible. When a child dies in infancy, before he is able to use his body intelligently and of his own free will, before being able to generate karma, the higher sheaths, the astral and mental bodies, are not separated into their component parts. Return to earth quickly takes place, the memory of the past life exists in the astral body which has not changed and more especially during the first few years of life can be impressed on the new brain with tolerable ease if this latter is at all delicately constituted then if reincarnation takes place in the same country and in the same neighbourhood of the past incarnation it can be proved to be true such instances do exist The reason they are not mentioned here is that they would add nothing to the general proofs on which stress has been laid in this work. These proofs form a universal law. They cannot be separated therefrom. CONCLUSION We have now come to the end of our study, a task to which we have certainly not been equal. So far is it beyond our powers as however we have drawn inspiration from our predecessors so have we also in our turn endeavoured to shed a few more rays of light on certain points of this important subject and indicate fresh paths that may be followed by such as enter upon this line of investigation in the future it is our most ardent desire to see this fertile soil well tilled for it will yield an abundant harvest mankind is dying in strife and despair the torrent of human activity is everywhere seething and foaming. Here, ignorance buries its victims in a noisome den of slime and filth. There, the strong and ruthless, veritable vampires, batten on the labour and drain away the very life of the weak and helpless. Farther away, science stumbles against the wall of the unknown. Philosophy takes up its stand on the cold, barren glacier of intellectualism religions are stifled and struggle for existence beneath the age-long accumulations of the letter that killeth more now than ever before do we need to find a reason for morality a guide for science an ariadne's thread for philosophy a torch to throw light on religion and love over all for if mankind continues to devote the whole of its strength to the pursuit of material benefits if its most glorious conquests become instruments to advance selfishness if its progress merely increases physical wretchedness and makes moral decadence more terrible than before if the head continues to silence the appeals of the heart then divine compassion will have no alternative but to destroy beneath the waters of another flood this cruel implacable civilization which has transformed earth into an inferno Amongst the most pressing and urgent truths, the most fruitful teachings, the most illuminating doctrines, the most comforting promises, we have no hesitation in placing the Law of Rebirths in the very front. It is supported by ethics, by reason, and by science. It offers an explanation of the enigma of life. It alone solves most of all the problems that have harassed the mind of man throughout the ages. And so we hope that, in spite of its many imperfections, this work of ours will induce many a reader to say, "Reincarnation must be true if it could not be otherwise." End of section 10. End of "Reincarnation: A Study in Human Behavior" by Theophile Paschal.